KPCALP, Petaluma, California. Inside Petaluma, I am Cindy Thomas here with my co-hosts Janice Keter Thompson and Jason Davies. Happy Friday! Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. And happy Friday. Yes. And we're doing something different once again. We are. Yep. It was <laughs> different. It was nice to be in the studio when we were, but um, yep, uh, due to uh, restrictions, uh, masking, distancing. There's not enough room for the three of us in the studio, so uh, here we are on Zoom, but we're broadcasting live, not only on radio, but on TV today. Yeah, this is a first. I know. Yes. Yes. nerve wracking <laughs> Yeah. So uh, if you're listening and you want to run to your TV, it's Channel 26 on Comcast and Channel 99 on AT&T, and unfortunately, we do not broadcast uh, via satellite dish, so uh, you're still dishing out your money to the cable companies. Uh, you get to watch us. Too <laughs> bad that can't change. Yeah, yeah, the other thing that's different, of course, is since this is video, even though we haven't introduced our guest, uh, people can actually see him at the moment, so we might want to go ahead and introduce him. Right, go ahead. You did the honors today, Jason. So uh, we have Dan Ellicamp, uh, who is a Petaluma resident, and he is on the board of the Petaluma uh, Music Festival, and he's on today uh, to talk about that a little bit. Thanks for joining us, Dan, at uh, last minute. appreciate you joining us. My pleasure, Jason. So tell us a little bit about this Petaluma Music Festival we've been hearing all about. Well, this will be our 14th year of hosting the music festival at the Sonoma Marin Fairgrounds, and we've raised almost $400,000 in profit that we've distributed to music programs in the Petaluma schools. Wow. So uh, last year, due to COVID, we did a, a virtual <laughs> music festival and raised a little bit of money, kind of broke even, and uh, the, our music festival is tomorrow. So wow. we're, we're uh, setting up the tents and getting ready as we speak over there. And as soon as I'm finished this interview, I'm heading over there myself. Well, that's great. And normally, you know, the day before the show, I mean, this event is sold out. And I think, you know, I probably imagine that there's some people out there that didn't get their tickets yet and are thinking, wow, can I still get one? Uh, what's the status of that, Dan? Yes, so uh, ticket sales are off a bit. Uh, at this time in prior years, but if you're really interested in going, um, I would advise you to go out to our website, PetalumaMusicFestival.org, and you can still buy a ticket today at the discounted price. If you wait until tomorrow, the day of the show, the ticket prices will go up. So today, a general admission ticket is uh, $55 uh, online. And we do have quite a few of uh, volunteer spots available. So for those folks out there that would like to get into the festival for free, 
in exchange for volunteering uh, a few hours of their time if they also go out to the, the same website, PetalumaMusicFestival.org, uh, you can sign up for a volunteer spot. We'll have you do a little light duty work there, plug you in as a volunteer, and uh, you will not pay to get in. So after a few hours, you can, you can come when the show opens. So if your shift is, say, 5 o'clock in the evening, you can come first thing in the morning, check in, spend the whole day going to the show, and then volunteer for a few hours, and, and you're done. So I'm actually seeing there's quite a few opportunities to sign up for today's setup, and I guess if someone does that, they still get a free ticket to the show, but they wouldn't have to work during the day, right? Absolutely, or if you sign up to help clean up on Sunday, it's the same thing. So, um, yeah, it, it's a great deal, especially for uh, students. So um, we encourage... Uh, Folks of all shapes and sizes to come on out and volunteer and give us a hand. Or for those music lovers, um, grab yourself a ticket and come out. So uh, as in terms of COVID goes, yeah. uh, it's a completely outside event okay. except for the restrooms. So you will be required to wear a mask in the restroom. But other than that, you're not. But we are encouraging people when they're you know, in a crowded area that just use your common sense and wear a mask. We will have hand sanitizers there. We will have extra masks in case someone forgets to bring one or needs to, you know, get an extra one. So we we are consulting with uh, Sonoma County and we're following all of the CDC guidelines for this type of event to keep everyone safe. And, of course, the good thing about music is uh, you can still hear it perfectly fine while you're wearing a mask. No Absolutely. And there's plenty of room to spread out. We have three stages. We have a main stage and then two other stages. So it's pretty much continuous music all day long, including a, uh, a, a local stage just for Petaluma acts. So we like to promote because we have tons of musicians here in town, and we like to give them an opportunity to shine in front of a larger audience. So that's very important to us, because these are the music students that came through our, our schools and are now, in many cases, professional musicians like Sebastian St. James, which yeah. uh, many people are, are aware of in this town, who's really taken off. Well, I see that uh, also we've got uh, Dylan Chambers is going to be playing uh, the, yep. with uh, Full Moon Alice. Yep. Um, and if you're not familiar with Dylan Chambers, uh, he's a local Petalumen. Um, and his father, Lester Chambers, of course, was uh, the lead singer for the Chambers Brothers. They did that uh, um, Time Has Come, a uh, very famous song. Uh, we also have the Motet. Uh, they're going to be playing. We've got the Monophonics. Uh, Ron Artist 2 and the Truth, Royal Jelly Jive, Key Sisters, Way Little Artist at Large, Samba, oh no, sorry, Samba Duh, Mestizo Beat, Kendra McKinley, but wow, Sebastian State James and the Highway Poets. Got a lot of acts. This is going to be pretty uh, interesting. Now, if people sleep on this and they don't get their ticket today, how much more are they going to have to pay tomorrow? That's a good question. I, I think it's another 10 or 15 bucks to get in tomorrow. Okay. So it's really worth your, your while if you're seriously considering coming out. And it's supposed to be a beautiful day. I mean, a lot of times on, on at this time in prior years, it could be a real scorcher out there, but it's, the weather's supposed to be great. 
air is supposed to be clear. Yeah. And and as far as the lineup goes, Jason, I'll be honest with you. I'm not familiar with a lot of those acts. They're in slightly a different genre that I'm normal. I'm more of a classic rock kind of guy. But I can tell you personally from attending from attending the music festival for 10 years, I love the music. Even yeah. though I'm not familiar with the artists, I am always blown away by the quality and diversity of the music that you present there. Well, you have like multiple stages going on at once, or how does that work? Yep, absolutely. We've got three stages going. In prior years, we've done an acoustic stage inside Herzog Hall where the musicians that were performing, say, on the main stage after their act will come over and do kind of an intimate um, acoustic. We had to scrap that this year, obviously, for COVID reasons, but we definitely have plan to have that back in, in future years because it was really, really popular. That room was packed to the gills in prior years. But you, I guarantee you will not be disappointed. <laughs> and if you pay to come to the music festival and you're disappointed, Janice Cater Thompson has agreed to reimburse you for your. <laughs> oh boy! Thank, I appreciate you that. Her. Thank you very much. Well, I think it's the Janice uh, money back guarantee we're offering this year. So there I mean, you go. People need to understand. I mean, this is also a benefit, of course. That is the main point. Um, it's amazing opportunity to hear a lot of great music, but all of the the money that I guess isn't going to pay the bands. Uh, does get to the schools, and without this kind of resource for our schools, it's hard to see that we would actually have a music program. And uh, well, so to I be honest with you, the, the, our, our, yeah, our last full year festival, so two years ago, mm-hmm. we donated sixty thousand wow. dollars to the schools in Petaluma. And to give you an idea, each of the high schools uh, received approximately 10000 each for Casa Petaluma High, and the two junior highs received about 5000 each, and then the other elementary schools, which obviously have, obviously have a much lower need than the, the junior high and high schools, um, ended up getting, you know, three $400. And one thing to mention on volunteering, when you do volunteer, it asks you what school that you want to support. So what we do is we have a formula where we give each of the schools a base amount, and then depending on the the number of volunteers that pick their school, then it's a bonus on top of that. So if Petaluma High has 50 volunteers come out and CASA only has 25, then Petaluma High is going to get more money, and we just think that's fair, you know, uh, to support the festival with, with volunteerism. Yeah. Well, it's really great that we have uh, so many people in the Petaluma that are dedicated to supporting the music programs because not everybody realizes this, but, uh, you know, music isn't just an entertainment thing. Uh, This is actually something that that can really help kids on a number of levels. Uh, There's been many studies about how music education can help, uh, for example, with mathematics, um, it, so there's a lot of things that it, learning a musical instrument does to, to work your brain in ways that it otherwise wouldn't. It can be really beneficial. And also when people talk about uh, depression, uh, obviously with the kids uh, not going into school, uh, having to you know, go take classes over Zoom, not having the whole social environment that they had before, there has been a lot of depression. And having a creative outlet uh, like learning a musical instrument 
Uh, I know personally, and I know anecdotally through others, uh, can be an amazing benefit psychologically as well. So. Yeah, it, it does so many, so many wonderful things. And, you know, like um, other extracurricular activities, you know, you might have a student that is really not that interested in academics, and it right. might be something like music or art that actually, you know, incentivizes them to, to come to school and, and participate. So, okay. you know, my daughter uh, started over at Meadow in their music program and band and went all the way through Kenilworth. Casa, and then when she went to college, she played uh, French horn in their woodwind ensemble in college. Wow! And then, and then even you know, old guys like you and myself, Jason, who uh, had music and band when we were in school, we're still playing music, right? That we it, are. It's something that <laughs> that stays with you for years and years and years. So, you know, we're not uh, we're not trying to get every music student to become a professional musician, no. but it's definitely a gift that stays with you for many, many years. Oh, it is my go-to place. I mean, whenever I am in a situation of frustration or I'm, you know, not, not feeling happy, just being able to grab a guitar and play for a bit, even just by myself, I'm the only person listening, it, it's a tremendous uh, joy and, and outlet. Uh, and it's it's really a good coping thing, too, for, for a lot of people. Um, and, of course, uh it's fun to listen to. So even if you aren't a musician uh, or have any interest in being a musician, uh, being able to experience live music in a safe, open environment uh, when we've been cooped up for so long, I think is a great opportunity, particularly when it is a benefit that's helping our kids. So I encourage everybody uh, to go to the uh, music festival tomorrow. Get your ticket today if you can. Uh, volunteering is also, I see there's a lot of volunteer slots open. Uh, you can even help the artists in the green room. Uh, so if you want to be close to the artists, that, that can be fun. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add, Dan? I don't think so. I'll be out there running the, the wine sales booth tomorrow. So if you did happen to hear this, uh, this broadcast, uh, stop by and, and say hi. And let me know that uh, as a result of this program, you know, you, you learned about it. You were encouraged to come out and, and support music in Petaluma. Uh, we, we have a lot of volunteers that work on this festival about 10 months out of the year. And it's headed up by Cliff Eveland, the music director at Petaluma High School. So he kind of uh, corrals, you know, everyone. And, uh, again, many, many volunteer hours put on by our board uh, who are also involved in many other volunteer uh, activities in this town to make this one day happen. I, I guarantee if you've never been, come out, give it a shot. You'll have a great time. I guarantee it. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Dan. All right. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And we'll see yeah, you all thanks, tomorrow. Man. Thanks, thanks Dan. Okay. Yeah. Good to see you. Good. Have fun. Bye-bye. Well, that was great. That's yeah. a great guy. Uh, he really is. I, I, you know, he was mentioning um, that, uh, you know, that I play music. We've actually been playing music together, so uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we've had two uh, little sessions in my studio, and uh, we're going to make a, a regular thing out of it. And it's it's been a lot of fun for for both of us. I I haven't played with a with a live musician other than people, you know, inside my family. Uh, for quite a while, and so it's it's really refreshing. But it was nice of him to come last minute. Uh, we had another guest, unfortunately, who's who's sick. Um, 
so that, that he couldn't join us today. Yeah. Well, I am trying to buy my ticket right now because I haven't bought one because I'm actually not able to go. But I will buy a ticket, and if anybody wants one, um, I'm more than happy to. Or give me a call, and I'll nice. donate it. Yeah. Yeah. Last time that we went, we went together, Janice. Remember we, in 2019? We did, and boy, yeah. that was a scorcher of a day too. It was a scorcher. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but it was really, it was great. The bands were good. It was, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. And so I really enjoyed it. So it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to miss it tomorrow. Yeah, and I love that. And you, and and I'm not sure if you notice or not, but you know, Alexa, our front desk person, our admin person, uh, Alexis Alexiades is uh, on the board of the music festival. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. I was just going to say, I think it's just so great that it comes full circle where some of the bands actually have people that went through the school music programs. They got the benefit of previous music festivals, and now they're participating in the music festival themselves. So it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of nice the way that works. You know, it's interesting. When I um, kind of choosing a doctor, you know, I always like to make sure that they're really good artists and that they're musicians because they have great hands. And good skills, and so that's kind of a criteria for me. Yeah, I'm gonna miss it this year. Well, you're doing something different. You're going up north, yeah. I guess, or something. Uh, yeah. It's a Wavy Gravy's place or something like that. I'm right? going to the Black Oak Ranch up in uh, Laytonville, also known as the Hog Farm. Oh wow! Wait a minute, how is that working? Because I thought. Dylan Chambers is. Play, I guess they have two. They're booked twice. I guess they've worked it out, right? So they must be playing later, or maybe on one of the other days. Well, Your festivals for two days, I guess. My, but, yeah, ours is okay. two days. So okay, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so it's a long drive for if you're going to be in one festival in one town and drive three hours or two and a half. I'm a diehard deadhead. And, oh yeah, yeah. And this is uh, the days between festival. And the days between is a reference to the uh, two dates in Jerry Garcia's life, uh, uh, August 1st, which was his birthday, and August 9th, which was the day he passed. So we're in the days between right now. So that must be why there was something, I think it was last weekend, uh, Putnam Plaza, there was a band playing uh, that was a... The Dead Bugs. Yeah, it was like a Great Dead tribute band, and I, I guess that's the timing as well. I mean, we certainly have a lot of Grateful Dead fans in this area. It makes sense. And at the Days Between Fest, the uh, the um, the headliner is uh, Dark Star Orchestra, which is a one of the most well-known tribute bands for uh, Grateful Dead. I've seen those, and I have seen. And I saw them together. We saw it together, and I had never heard of them. You introduced me to them, and I I, I had heard of them, but I'd never seen them, and I I was a Amazed. I mean, it's, it was like seeing the Grateful Dead. It was yeah, well, what they, what they do is that they don't just take a, a, a list of songs that they want to play. They actually go and say, I'm gonna, we're going to reproduce the concert in 1972 at oh, Oakland wow. Coliseum. <laughs> and so they do it verbatim uh, as the, uh, the concert was presented. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I guess now everybody knows really how much of a deadhead I am. <laughs> oh, now that we're on TV. I was going to say, don't you have a Grateful Dead and a Steal Your Face uh, <laughs> tattoo here? <laughs> wow, that, that yeah. shows commitment. Yeah, you <laughs> know, the listeners couldn't see that, but I'm, I'm stamped with the Steely. Oh, it shows pain to me. 
Well, oh, you're, I mean, you're of the age. You were probably you were probably seeing the dead when you were what in your teens. Yeah, yeah. And so. Wow, so much history. Well, yeah, I used to uh, sneak out my bedroom window when I lived in Novato and go to Rancho, the, the Rancho Olympali, where they used to hang out. Did you hang out with them? They played music, but okay. I didn't hang out with them. Oh, okay. I probably was sitting out under the, the by the fountain smoking pot or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't That's know. awesome. I don't remember. We don't remember those days. <laughs> yeah. They say if you can't remember the 60s, you were there, I guess. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, so what else is going on? We got the Petaluma Music Festival going on tomorrow. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff happening with the news. Um, I did see that uh, the committee on race and policing is nearing an end. So I've, you know, they've had um, several meetings, and I guess they've got uh, two more meetings left. Now, you've been following all those meetings, haven't you, Janice? I've been following all, all the meetings. I missed one because I was out of town, but I think what was most disappointing is when the council had a six-to-one vote mm-hmm. and six voting um, to remove Stefan Perez yeah. from the committee. Well, I was watching the council meeting the other night. At the very end, there was a special closed session meeting. Yeah, so apparently, Stefan Perez is considering suing the city. Oh, I don't and think considering. It's actually happening, isn't it? Well, I, I, I don't know because I'm not in closed sessions. So so I, I don't know what happens in a closed session. Well, it says it, says it in the newspaper. Right. They, they, yeah, but they, I, I'm still not exactly sure what's going on. But I think what is most disappointing is Council Member Healy voting, thinking that Stephen Perez had a First Amendment right to be on this committee and to continue being on the committee. And I look at kind of like Nancy Pelosi and looking at the, you know, the committee for um, the um, January 6th, the insurrection. You know, she chose not to put people on because they basically are pretending that the insurrection never really happened and that they were guests of the Capitol. And I just feel like he is gaslighting. He gaslit that, and then at the council meeting Monday, they were talking about spending, I think, $22 million doing a bond for roads. Right. And all of a sudden, Mike says, well, you know, what happens if the public decides to rescind that tax? And then who has to pay? Yeah. Mike has never cared about rescinding taxes. Yeah. I mean, so it was another gaslighting event. Hmm. And, um, and so as far as the Committee on Race, I think it has a long ways to go. Six meetings. You can't fix um, decades and centuries of a problem in six meetings. Right. And so I'm hoping that this committee moves forward. I really appreciated Joanna Pond's comments yeah. in, the, um, in the article because she's very clear. We're, we're not going to be building um, a cultural center. Yeah. We need to work on what the issues really are and be successful. And one of them that's important to people is oversight of police. Yes. And so um, so that's what I know about that. Yeah, that seems to be one that's already been sort of um, dismissed, it seems, uh, right. by, by the, uh, Ken Savano, correct? It appears that way. You know? Yeah. It, I'd it, like to have a conversation, actually, with Ken yeah. and their thoughts on it and why there'd be a concern about not having an oversight committee. 
Yeah, let's see what he said. He said, um, the group's first recommendation has already received a tepid response from Petaluma's police chief, Ken Savano, who stopped short of endorsing the suggestion in interview Tuesday. And here's his quote. It says, in general, I support and understand oversight, but I also feel the department and the city have clearly demonstrated that those are important issues and we're already addressing them. And then he, he goes on, he says, it doesn't mean we can't put more resources into it and communicate that more, but that's really about dialogue and improving understanding. So that's interesting, because that sounds like he's saying we don't need oversight because we kind of already know what we need to do. Um, right. And that may be true that, he, that they know what they need to do, but the purpose of oversight is to make sure they would stay on that path, I guess, right? right? Yeah, you know, it might be great to have him on the show and actually have a discussion about it. Yeah. Um, with some um, committee members. Sure. Um, it would be interesting. But, you know, I want to bring up one thing that is very positive. I heard, you know, the Petaluma's um, version of the CAHOOTS method. Mm-hmm. I This is, okay, I heard this a couple weeks ago or um, before last week's show, so I couldn't, I didn't know about it. I don't know when I heard about it. But um, it's very successful. And at the time, I had heard there were like 70 calls and they went to the CAHOOTS model group instead of to the police department, and it was really successful. So um, if we do have the chief on, I really want to talk about that model, the CAHOOTS model, and, and give some update on that, but also find um, the person who is actually working with the CAHOOTS model in Petaluma and learn more about it, um, because I'm hearing very positive things, and so... You know, how does that work with the police? Um, what are they? What are their feelings about it? And um, dollar for dollar, I think it's great for the city, but it's also really good for the people that are having um, problems and don't really need police. They mm-hmm. need other needs. So I just wanted to kind of raise that um, as a positive. So. In other news, uh, the death toll climbs in Sonoma County's uh, COVID-19 surge. Unfortunately, there were three more deaths, bringing the July spike to 14. And, uh, Are you reading um, just data, or is there an article about This is an article. In Are, the were they vaccinated? Career. Well, this is the weird thing. So it's saying uh, public, health, excuse me, public health officials Thursday reported three more deaths attributed to the coronavirus, including two local residents who were fully vaccinated. So even if you're vaccinated, it's you're not necessarily um, out of the woods. But but on a whole, it certainly lowers your chances of uh, of extreme. Um, side effects and, and uh, going to the hospital. Most of the people that are going to the hospital are not vaccinated. Um, but yeah, some people with some underlying conditions, one, one of the fatalities involved a vaccinated man over 64 who died in a local hospital on July 27th. The other was a vaccinated man over 90 who died in a skilled nursing center on July 31. There's a third person, there's a woman over 64 who died August 1st in a local hospital. Three fatalities boosted the local pandemic death toll since March 2020 to 334. Virus-related deaths are on the rise following the recent upswing of both new coronavirus cases and subsequent hospitalizations. So, uh, yeah, we're we're you know we're, we're not out of the woods on this thing yet. Yeah. And um, there was another article. This is an editorial uh, that uh, is responding to. One of the concerns many residents have, 
that one of our council members has chosen not to vaccinate and has not uh, expressed a clear position on whether they support vaccinations. Uh, so this is Delinda Fisher. Uh, she had said, I have not taken a position on vaccinations. I don't think that is why I was elected to city council. I was elected to make policy decisions. And the, the editorial uh, says that they're baffled by that amid a surge in coronavirus cases and deaths nationwide in Sonoma County. It's no gotcha question to ask an elected official to tout the single greatest tool we have in our fight against the pandemic. So, yeah, people want to, want to know exactly um, why we don't have unanimous support on the council uh, urging people to vaccinate. Obviously, some people, I mean, I actually went to the CDC website to find out about this. Even with underlying conditions, they're still recommending in almost all cases to be vaccinated. Uh, even people that are immune compromised, because actually those people are at greater risk uh, to COVID, and the risks of the vaccine are much lower than the risks are from COVID. So I'm not exactly sure uh, what medical reason there would be not to be vaccinated. But clearly, even if you have some personal issue there uh, that affects you medically, uh, and your health provider, for whatever reason, has indicated that uh, maybe you need to wait or isolate or whatever, um, I would hope that the council, with a clear, unified voice, can express that they support the findings of the CDC and the director uh, our health officer in, in Sonoma County uh, to urge uh, as many who are eligible to be vaccinated, wear masks, and social distance. Yesterday I contacted um, our mayor mm -hmm. asking if the council was going to go ahead and make a decision that, because I want to be clear, there are employees also that are not mm -hmm. vaccinated. Yeah, exactly. So it's not just Delinda Fisher. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Have, no, um, and, and I consider people that work for the city leaders. Yeah. And there's um, pre-existing conditions is one reason, but religion is another, another reason. Yeah. And I feel as though people should be vaccinated. And because yeah. the county, it, I believe the county supervisors are going to be taking a vote. Yeah. On mandating. Yes. And so I asked the question, is the city of Petaluma going to be doing that? Because they're off until September. They're mm -hmm. not going to have any meetings in between. Yeah. So I was wondering if there was going to be an emergency meeting. And I believe she told me that that is up to HR to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it was up to HR to make those types of decisions. Normally they need to be, they really need to be a discussion with the city council and then brought forward. But if HR does it, I guess I'm okay with that. Well, and, and on top of, and here we have COVID-19 relief funds, and the city uh, council did vote to right. uh, invest some of that funding into, uh, I guess, revitalizing the offices and also the police station to make it more safe, to increase the ventilation and improve yeah. that. And so that's all, that all makes sense, but at the same time, if you're actually taking that funding and you're using it and you acknowledge there's an issue and you acknowledge that we have this pandemic and we need to do these things, on top of that, I would think that, yes, there should be a mandate that city employees and the council be vaccinated. Um, it only makes sense. Uh, so, uh, you know, there were also bonuses that were given to um, city employees, and I'm not saying they don't deserve those bonuses. They work very hard. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm all for supporting workers. Uh, but at the same time, I would hope that there could be a stipulation that to get that, uh, since it's part of the COVID-19 relief funding, 
you would do your part to step up as a member of the social contract and concern yourself with public health and and uh, get vaccinated. You know, why not why not make that requirement? You know. I watched the meeting and it was a little bit disappointing the amount of money of that COVID relief fund that was spent because I would have liked to have seen more money put aside because COVID is not over. Exactly. But I will say the HVAC system is really important and okay. City Hall really does need some upgrades. Yes. And I do believe the police department needs some yeah. upgrades also. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm not um, worried I'm not as concerned about those funds, but I feel as though some of the funds could have been put aside more than, I believe, 650000 And there's also, what I learned is there is about, I'm not sure how many, I want to say 650, but I can't really remember, delinquent water bills. Yes. So the city isn't really going out and asking people what their needs are. Um, you know, and that is something the money could have been used for, too, even though I know that they're short on staff at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but... It was a long discussion about where how the money was going to be funded, yeah. and I definitely had some issues with a lot of the funding. But um, as far as the city hall, I really think it was necessary yeah. um, for the workers. But at the same time, I think everybody needs to be vaccinated. Yeah. I don't think we, we need to be doing social distancing just because an employee decides not to be vaccinated. Well, I mean, let's I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just not really clear. I mean, let's just that. think about why we're where we are. We're where right. we are because not enough people are doing the right thing. They're putting their needs above the needs of the community. And it's not that complicated. It's not a huge sacrifice. You need to wear a mask. You need to social distance. And unless you have a really, really, really clear medical reason not to, you should be vaccinated. And if you can't, if there's some reason that you can't, that's all the more reason that everybody who is eligible, and people are forgetting about the kids, and we're and they're starting to end up in the hospital now with these increasingly uh, virulent strains that are more communicable. And the kids, not, they can't get vaccinated yet. So, uh, you know, people do really need to think beyond themselves and realize that, you know, this is about community. I was talking to an epidemiologist yesterday. Um, She's in my water aerobics class. And we were sitting in the hot tub and, you know, talking about COVID. And she she feels as though if every teacher is vaccinated, the children don't need to wear masks in school. But I heard today that the new Delta variant actually is it's airborne a little bit different mm-hmm. than just COVID-19. And so it, it stays in the air longer. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like um, with AIDS. I never w- were worried about AIDS right. because, um, you know, it, it died on a surface. And kind of with COVID, you know, if you were outside, it wasn't as much of a problem but now the new variant may be more of a problem. Well, it also with AIDS, I believe it has to have contact with your blood, right? Well, exactly. But I mean, this is the, the times when people didn't really know. And, yeah. You know, and I was working, you know, in the medical field. And so yeah. there was concern. But I was, I was more concerned with hepatitis because that can live on a surface for like 14 days right. where AIDS died on a surface. Um, but... Um, 
Well, it's a concern, and I, I agree with you, Jason. It's really about the children at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, the most vulnerable. Uh, and, you know, some people say it's time for them to die. You know, let, let old people die. Um, that's natural selection, whatever. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a pretty callous uh, attitude, frankly. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, yeah, do your part. You know, get vaccinated. Uh, it's, exactly. It's very safe. Uh, it, your odds of uh, any negative consequences from the vaccine are far, 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 far lower than anything that you're going to have uh, that you encounter from COVID. And, well, and you know, all these people were a booster. Yeah, I mean, you, you're yeah. seeing these people in the hospital now uh, that are doing these testimonials while they're on respirators and saying, "Yeah, if only I had been vaccinated." And I don't know what it's going to take for people, but I think for some, that's what it's going to take actually being in the hospital. And then it raises the question as to, you know, these. a lot of times you have these free market, you know, advocates that are like, oh, personal freedom, this or that. It's like, okay, so they think that all of our premiums should go up for insurance because of these people that refuse to vaccinate. I, I mean, maybe that's another thing we need to look at. Do, do For example, city employees, they get an insurance from, uh, right? That's a benefit. And that also goes for council members. Well, should their premiums go up? Should they even be covered? I mean, if they're if they're not going to get vaccinated, I, I don't know. I mean, these are all questions. I, I don't want to deny anyone. Uh, I, I don't think I know Jason. No, I, I no. I'm just saying though. I, I this is a real thing to consider because you know we're all in this together, and when you have people that are deciding they don't want to play by the rules. It affects all of us. Yeah. It's not just in terms of transmitting the disease. It's in terms of taking up hospital beds. I mean, what happens when there's an emergency and there's not enough medical staff to handle, you know, someone fell off a bicycle and cracked their head open. Oh, I'm sorry, there's too many people that refuse to get vaccina- vaccinations and now they're taking up all the hospital beds. That's not right. It's not fair. It, it's a real problem and people really need just to get vaccinated. But in the meantime, I really urge people to wear masks, even yeah. if you're outside in crowds. Yes. Um, I, and even for the music festival and where you're going, yeah. Cindy, I urge you to wear a mask. Yeah. Um, because this new Delta variant, we don't know as much about it, but I think the scientists do. And yeah. my feeling is is that wearing a mask is the safest. Yeah. Um, because if it is airborne for even five seconds longer, that's that could affect somebody. So just please wear your masks. Keep using your um, the hand sanitizers. Yep. Um, and you know when Jerry and I you know went away a few weeks ago, I brought my Lysol and Clorox you know with me into the hotel room. I will do that again. Um, but I am a little nervous because we're going down to LA, and we're going to go get tested today. Um, but I have to say I'm a little bit nervous, and we're going to be definitely. Um, you know, wearing masks all the time. But I know that for the Little League team that has gone down to L.A., they are sequestered now. And I believe they're going to get tested every day. Mm-hmm. And so they're taking it really seriously. And there's only about 250 people that can be in the stadium. So you had to have tickets to get in. But I just urge people, please be cautious and don't think that this is um, not serious. You know, because the Delta virus is very serious. And I, I went to a concert last night, and I, I went back and forth about whether I was going to go. And I got some seats that were as far away from others as I could get, and they were still pretty good. 
uh, and it was on the aisle, and we had some space around us. But there were a lot of people. I was wearing a mask. My family was wearing masks. A lot of people weren't. There was nothing at the front asking people to wear masks. There were a few a few signs actually that said if you if you come in proximity to people you should wear a mask. And there were some hand sanitizer stations, but there was no checking for vaccinations. You know, nothing like that at the front, um, and no real mask requirement. So I, I don't know if that's going to change. Uh, obviously, the, the directives are are relatively new. Uh, again, uh, so you know maybe the next concert I go to will be different. I was watching the World Cup the other day, and I think it was Mexico and the U.S., and I believe it was in Las Vegas, but it was in Nevada. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're looking and watching this. It was a really exciting game, by the way. Um, And nobody was wearing a mask, maybe one or two people, and people were right next to each other. And so you look at these super spreaders, and so I'm just waiting for that to be a super spreader, but it it was a little bit disturbing. It's so easy to wear a mask. So, yeah, it's but, um, today in the paper, um, it was really sad to, re- to read. We lost Greenville. Yes. Um, I mean, because um, my kids, my, two of my daughters lived in Quincy, mm. and so we used to go up there all the time. As a matter of fact, Cindy, uh, they worked at the music festival up there yeah. because they worked for the Forest Service, and they also went to Feather River Community College. Um, and one of their friends, you know, from Petaluma, um, she went up there and went to school there and met, uh, met a person, and they married and had children. And her wedding was in Greenville at that bar. It was just this great tavern. And, you know, and I know a lot of people that have places up there, and I'm just, I was talking to a friend today that had a place in Chester, and it's probably gone, but they did sell it last year. A lot of people in Lake Almanor, in the lower areas, have lost um, places, and it's it's just horrible. And global warming is real, yep. and this is pretty sad what's happening. But on a happy note, um, there was a restaurant in in um, Santa Rosa, no, in um, that made the Michelin. It was the in Sebastopol. Mm-hmm. And I've been hearing about this girl, Geneva, for years from my cousin, because Geneva is actually from, um, where's she, uh, where's next to Oakland? Um, Alameda? Piedmont. Oh. She's from Piedmont. And so I've been hearing about this girl for years, and she was just this great chef. She went to Europe, and she became a chef there. Well, she works at this restaurant that became a Michelin. And so it's really exciting, even though I've never really met her. I just vicariously heard about her um, talent with food. So I thought that was pretty exciting. Um, and other things in the paper, anything that anybody's... I don't know. know. This wasn't in the paper, but did you guys notice the sun this morning? Is yeah, I was just going to say that. I, and it was really funny because my daughter's like, oh, it's so pretty. And I'm like, uh, that's because of the upper atmosphere smoke. <laughs> that's why yeah. it's orange today. Yeah. yeah. So the good, news, good news on that is it is high up. So we're, that's why we're not seeing so much yeah. smoke. We're not smelling smoke yet. Last night, my friend texted me today, and she was in uh, Pengrove, and she said she could smell it last night because I texted because she texted me about the atmosphere or the smoke, and I said I'm not smelling anything, but she did say they could smell it last night. So, um, another thing that was that there's been a lot of talk on next door, and 
Facebook is about the streets and all the slurry stealing that's going on. Mm-hmm. And it is pretty astonishing. Um, I, I started riding my bike, and so it's really different. You remember how I did my transportation tour, and I'd be in my car, and I'd take you guys around? Now I'm doing it on my bike, and boy, you see things at a whole different level. Mm-hmm. And um, just so people know, the amount of money that was bonded is not going to do every street in this town. And some of the roads that got slurry sealed, I was stunned at. Instead of doing the homes that were built in like the 1970s, they're starting with the ones in the 1990s. And it almost feels as though who lives in an area is how some of these slurry seals are getting done. Hmm. And so I think it's going to be a topic that people are going to be talking about. Um, as, as far as the slurry or the new slurry seal or asphalt in front of the Deer Creek, it's like a little roller coaster ride. It's not like yeah. straight. It's like that on a lot of the roads. So. I know. And then the city is saying, oh, no, we inspected them. They did a great job. And yeah. I'm just thinking, I don't think so. And then, especially on McDowell, literally the sidewalk and the new asphalt they could keep putting on is almost level together. And so then if you look at the curb, you see a lot of tire marks on those curbs. So bike riders, be aware um, where you ride. Because it's not safe in this town at all. So, but I'm going to bike ride tonight. Um, leaving Walnut Park, I think at 5 o'clock, there is a group that is biking Petaluma on the first Friday of the month. Mm-hmm. So I have my new helmet, so I'm going to be trying it out tonight. Did you get an e-bike or just a conventional? I just I have a conventional bike that I've had, I bought about five years ago and rode a few times, and I just had it kind of, you know, tuned up, and I bought a really cool helmet. I mean, so. to be honest, if you're riding around town, it's pretty flat. It's pretty. It's pretty easy ride. The need for an e-bike, I don't know. I mean, I considered it for a while because it does help on hills and you can go further distances and you, you know, in a shorter amount of time you can go faster. But it also makes the bike a lot heavier. Um, so I don't know. Right now, I, I have a conventional bike as well, and uh, it's a it's an improvement on what I have because it's got um, more gears and. Uh, uh, I'm able to get up the hill easier, so. A lot of people love those e-bikes, and yeah. when we were in Roseville, I, the, They're fun. first of all, the roads are really nice, but it's kind of newer communities, mm-hmm. and so they uh, built, you know, bike paths, and I saw quite a few people on e-bikes, but I've seen them more around Petaluma, yeah. so, you know, I, I, you're pedaling the whole time, so you're getting exercise. You are. It's, yeah. It's, so the thing is, it's they're really heavy, though. It does add right. a lot of weight. So like it's 50 pounds. Yeah, so it's not a problem as long as it's charged, but it's not yeah. the kind of thing where you're going to ride it when it's not charged uh, easily. It'd be um, nice to see some e-bike stations around town, so you can fly a town to the other. Well, yeah. they're talking about that. Yeah. There was an article in the paper uh, a few months back uh, where they're talking about uh, bringing in uh, potentially uh, you know, private companies uh, to be able to offer e-bikes for rent, because in many cities, I did this in Berlin, uh, you can you can just you know you find these bikes around, they just are kind of left around, uh, and you get your phone out and you do your little deal that you got to do to to sign in, and I think mine was through Uber or something, and uh, it, within a few seconds you're riding this thing around, and then there's a range you can't go too far. I went to the very edge. And then I had to go back because I realized I was out of range, <laughs> so that they wouldn't pick up the bike. 
but that can be a lot of fun. It, the, the problems, of course, is one of the problems they've had in some cities. It's the same thing with those random scooters. The scooters, that's what I was going to They end up like clogging up the sidewalks and just being like randomly left places. So a lot of municipalities are going to have to adapt their codes to, 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 to really get some money for that because it is, it is taking up um, public space. Um, but uh, I love the idea of it, I, I, encouraging more bikes. I mean, for, for example, imagine if at the smart station downtown, uh, you could come in, visit Petaluma, and you can rent an e-bike and cruise around. The great thing about e-bikes is because it makes it so easy for people, you have a much higher potential adoption rate. And anything we can do to get you know people out of their cars and, and biking more is a good thing. So I'd like to yeah. see that. There, there was an article we should touch on briefly about the Sid Commons project. Yes. I don't know if you were following that, but this is the apartment, the proposed apartment complex. Um, it's it, it's near the river, uh, and I guess this is North uh, Petaluma, and uh, there it had been um, well. It's been going back and forth, but the Sonoma County Superior Judge ruled against the resident group North Petaluma River and Wetlands, uh, who had sued, and now that's being appealed. Um, and the, it was a split, divided council on this because a lot of a lot of concern was its proximity to the river, um, and the, you know the scale of the project. Uh, I don't know if you've been following this, Janice. I have been. Yeah. So, what I know is that you know when the Anderson brothers they owned um, they owned property in the area, and they mm -hmm. had these photos that I know the city has somewhere because they gave them to the city. Yeah. And in some of these areas where we're talking about, the the water was at least up to my neck. Yeah, that's one of the concerns is flooding, yeah. particularly so, because of the global warming situation. Yeah, and so you it's have a a history. Yeah. Pardon me, yeah. city. It's in a floodplain. No, it's in a floodplain, yeah. and you can't take it out of the floodplain because you spent $40 million on a weir. Well, that's what they're yeah. saying. They're saying yeah. it's technically not in the floodplain because they've mitigated it with, uh, you know, whatever they've done. Uh, but but the reality is, okay, how accurate is that? And based on yeah. what kind of projections, and does it take into account that, you know, a big sheet of ice just came off of Greenland that they didn't expect? Uh, and, you know, so... We got to recalculate this stuff yeah. and, and understand that the effects of global warming are happening faster than we anticipated. Uh, and um, yeah, there's real flooding concerns with flooding. So it'll be—it's a difficult thing. We need affordable housing in Petaluma, but it needs to be built um, correctly. There is space on that, with that project that they could actually build affordable housing. Um, up on the, this hill area. It's when they start going down in the lower areas. Um, you know, it's like institutional knowledge that I have about how the flooding was in that area and seeing those photos. And these are guys that, you know, they'd probably be 100 now, but they were really concerned about the flooding then. Interesting. I'm hearing somebody in the background. I don't know what that is. Sure. <laughs> I oh, wait think a minute. They're talking about me dyeing my hair. I think someone from PCA doesn't realize their yeah. mic is on. Yeah, PCA is muted. Hello in there in the studio. Hopefully they just heard what I said and <laughs> have muted their microphone. Um, moving right along, historic drought has reduced Lake Mendocino to its second lowest level since it was built, leaving reservoir storage in startling condition with months of likely warm, dry weather still ahead. The lake on Thursday 
held just more than 24,000 acre feet of water, a result of critically low rainfall totals that combine make 2019-21 uh, the driest two years on record, National Weather Service said. So, yeah, we're in a bad drought, and people need to keep doing more to conserve water. We are not meeting the targets that we that we need to make. Um, you know, I talked about my garden and our apple trees. I barely got enough for an apple pie. Mm. And our trees really were prolific. And then the garden, like the pickling cucumbers, aren't doing very well. So um, it's – but on the other hand, it's getting chillier outside, mm-hmm. and some trees are starting to lose their leaves early. We did so have a little moisture, too. And we've I had noticed. moisture, yeah. Not, not really rain, but – Right, <laughs> right. And the temperatures, like, you know, down in L.A. have been like 84, mm-hmm. which you'd expect it to be higher. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I always think Pete Gang. I mean, he was on this global warming for a long time, well before I ever got on board. Oh, yeah. And I just think, oh, my God, how, um, how quickly it happened and how quick it's happening now. It changes. Oh, yeah. yeah, when I was in college, I was uh, one of... It was like early, the first year, I think, of the environmental studies program uh, back in the 90s. Uh, actually, this would have been late 80s. And we were talking about global warming and sustainability and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. It's pretty crazy. Um, see anything else good in the – well, there's all kinds of stuff in the newspaper, but – well, there's um, more eucalyptus coming down. Uh, <laughs> I saw that. Um, I hate those trees because every time I go by them, I just feel like one of them's going to fall down. Yeah. They scare me. I mean, they're not native to here, and I think right. one of the reasons they were brought in and planted, uh, they, they're really good for blocking the wind. Right. And I think that's one right. of the reasons uh, that they, they were popular. Yeah. Uh, they are considered invasive. The one thing I do worry about when they cut these things down is I, I hope that they take into account, I, it sounds like they did, that they're doing it at the right time of year because in the past they think they did that and it killed a bunch of birds um, as they were nesting right. and things like that. Right. So they do need to be careful when they're taking it. Well, I mean, you know, it's really important to have a good arborist know what they're doing <laughs> yeah. when they're cutting trees down because that's what happened at Walnut Park. We had trees mm-hmm. and then, you know, the they went in and pruned them and Quite a few of them died. They're extremely flammable, too. I mean, it says in the, yes. in the bottom of the end paragraph, we hate to remove healthy trees, but at the end of the day, safety concerns rule, uh, said Amanda um, Willers. Willers yeah. uh, well, when we there. took out our four redwood trees, part of the reason is because they were splitting at the top, you know, so they were dangerous. Yes, they can be but One of the neighbors said to me, she said, oh, my biggest fear is a fire. Yeah. And I, you know, I just listened to what my neighbor said and, and took four of them down. Yeah, so um, the Customer Service and Grants Program Manager at Sonoma County Department of Transportation Public Works quoted, eucalyptus can just explode, they are so yep. flammable. But we are strategic about where we do this sort of removal. So anyway, so that's happening. Yeah, well, I, I have a friend that's just telling me yesterday about her eucalyptus trees up in Chico and that they explode because they get so so hot and they're full of oil. Exactly. And there's lack of water. All of those elements just create disaster. And they had a near miss with one of them exploding on their property. Really? Yeah. Just missed their car. 
pretty scary. Man, a near yeah. miss. It's always a, George Carlin used to have a joke about that. It's not a near miss. It's a near hit. <laughs> <laughs> People talk about that yeah. with planes. It was a near I'm miss. Good. No, it was a near hit. <laughs> I do want to say something um, just quick on the pulse of Petaluma, which is not a scientific poll, so I never liked the pulse of Petaluma because of that. But it says, last week's online survey asked, is the city on the right track when it comes to road safety? 14.3% said yes, 85.7% said no. And I really believe that when you are slurry sealing or doing anything with the roads, you have to look at improvements for safety at the same time. And the city is not doing that. So I'll, leave, I'll end with that note. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Saw the, I saw the meeting and they kind of said that it was sort of apples and oranges, but, yeah. I, but I get your point. It's and not it's apples like, and oranges when three children... And no, 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 totally. Get, it's just in yeah. terms of this specific project that had already been slated. Yeah. It was just about right. covering the road. But, but yeah, I, I totally agree. With I don't care if you cover the road. As long as you're working on a road, you need to they look need at the to big be picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's not absolutely confirmed yet, but I think we'll be having uh, a discussion next Friday about safety. Uh, oh, cool. Confirm our guest, who right. is a big... Uh, advocate, proponent of safety, and um, we can have that discussion then. But for now, yeah, we're we're done here. Our, we're out of time. Our, our work is done for the week. <laughs> and since we are live, we're going to get cut off whether we say goodbye or not. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to wait for I the virtual hook. <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to thank uh, Jeff Trier, who is uh, in the studios at PCA. Uh, doing all the technical background work to make us live today. And um, we will be back next Friday from 11 to noon. You've been listening to Inside Petaluma here on KPCA 103.3 FM. And we have been today on Channel 26 with Comcast and Channel 99 with AT&T. And we stream live at kpca.fm. Boy, our goodbyes are getting longer and longer. <laughs> uh, you can go to the website, uh, InsidePetaluma.com, to hear any past shows. And um, I do have some bad news about that. We, nobody hit the record button today for this. So unless there's a way to collect it uh, from the uh, studio recording, uh, we might not have this show on online. So that said, uh, we'll see everybody next week. Uh, I'm Cindy Thomas here with Jason Davies, Janice Peter Thompson, and we are saying goodbye. Goodbye. See you next Have week. Have a great weekend. Go Bye. to the Music Festival. <laughs> Please visit our um, Facebook page, KPCA Inside Petaluma, and give us a like. Uh, we'll be back again next week from 11 to noon, as we are every Friday. And until then, everybody be safe, save water, and Stay cool because it's going to heat up this weekend. Yeah, right? stay cool. But don't yeah. use too much water when you're staying cool. All right. <laughs> All right.